0: Welcome to Dances FAQ, the podcast that gives you health information, keys for action and motivation, as well as tips for your career and well-being. My name is Alix Rignier, and I'm very excited to share all of that with you, artists, athletes and dancers. Hi, guys. Welcome back to the show. Today, we're going to talk about the menstrual cycle. What are the different phases of this cycle? How can we tune in and understand the signs that the body sends and so on? You will see that suffering during your period is not normal and that there are ways to adapt your agenda in order to respect your cyclical functioning. I had the pleasure to talk around this topic with Siri Kala from Our Fertility. She is a fertility awareness instructor and we are following together the teacher training of Sansiplan, like Shirley is, one of my previous guests. Siri received her education at Justice College International, a world-leading institute that trains fertility awareness educators and teaches holistic reproductive healthcare. If you enjoy that kind of topic, keep in mind that I'm releasing a women's health subject once a month. Make sure you subscribe to Dancers FAQ in order to get notified when a new episode comes out. Enjoy! Hi Siri, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you, Alex. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Today, we are going to talk about the menstrual cycle. So usually, when people think about menstrual cycle, they think about period and a cycle of 28 days. But the menstrual cycle is much more than that. First, we're going to see together that the 28 days pattern is a myth and focus on the inner season that occur in a cyclic manner. The objective of a menstrual cycle is to prepare and deliver an egg and optimal conditions to welcome sperm for fertilization. But ovulation is a tiny part of the actual cycle. And we will see that what happens in the ovaries has an impact on the whole body. It's not a local mini factory. So first thing, what does a normal cycle look like?
1: That's a really big question because there are so many different parameters to look at. A normal cycle is somewhere between 25 to 35 days long. But just because you have a cycle that is within that length doesn't necessarily mean that it would be considered a normal cycle because it's also the different parts of the cycle that we want to see different parameters around. For example, we want to see a menstrual bleeding where we bleed more than 30 milliliters, but less than 80 milliliters during the full period. We don't want to have any big cramps or pains, flooding, menstruation, basically any kind of symptoms that creates a lot of discomfort is a sign of some imbalance in the body it should not be inherently painful to be a woman mm-hmm. uh, if it is inherently painful or just really difficult that's probably due to some kind of imbalance in the body and then we also want to see um, ovulation happening and then we want after that a luteal phase that is between the luteal phase that is the phase between ovulation and the new menstruation that is between 12 to 16 days reflecting optimal fertility. So if you're not
0: really used to being in tune with your menstrual cycle the first thing you should look at is actually your period, how you feel, what's happening, how you bleed and so on.
1: Yes because actually the period you're bleeding is a reflection of the whole previous cycle. But we we can't be too stuck at the period when we think about menstrual health because actually a very light period that is super easy might also reflect And hormonal imbalance, both a period that is very heavy or very light, both signify an imbalance. And you can have a period that looks precisely normal, but that still follows an unbalanced cycle. What you really need to do is to read your cycle, read all the different symptoms that you have. Uh, which is what we learn in fertility awareness, especially like uh, we both have studied uh, Sensiplan. But I'm also educated in a method called the justice method. And there we put a lot of focus on teaching women uh, what is a healthy cycle and how to look for for symptoms in the cycle of uh, imbalance. A beautiful healthy cycle, then we go from menstruation that uh, is between four to seven days we have a few dry days, a few infertile days. And then at, um, as uh, we start to produce some estrogen in our ovaries that is signaled from the brain, we get more energy, our eggs start growing, our body starts preparing for ovulation. So it's like the springtime of the body. And then we come into the fertile phase which is like high time summer. It's when the flowers are blooming and we are fertile. This is about three to six days where we can become pregnant because we have cervical mucus present that sperm can survive in. The culmination of the season, of the fertile season, of the summer season of our bodies is ovulation. And ovulation happens only on one day. It's a one day event where the egg comes out from the ovary and then it lives for 12 to 24 hours. And after that, we can see that it's like the autumn phase. At first, we can uh, say that we, we come to fruition, that our uterus mature to be able to hold a potentially fertilized egg. And the body kind of awaits this potentially fertilized egg. But if we don't become pregnant, if there was no fertilized egg, just as the trees does in the autumn, our leaves will die and shed. So our leaves in this case is our endometrium that had been prepared to hold an egg. But if no egg comes, it will die and shed off and come out as the menstrual bleeding. And so the cycle starts again. And what is really beautiful there is that While we bleed, what comes out in the bleeding is actually the dead endometrium. So this with um, that menstrual blood should be toxic or pollution, you know, that's just a myth. Because what the menstrual blood really is You can say it's the collection of all the best things that your body had to give to a potential pregnancy. They have collected a lot of yummy nutrients in this endometrium and also in a secretory fluid filling the uterus to prepare for a possible implantation of an egg. And that is what comes out when we bleed. So it's a very nutritious fluid that actually a lot of people used to feed their plants traditionally like in indigenous people it has also been used the fertilizer for plants because it's so nutritious. And in the same time as we are bleeding, new eggs are starting to grow in our follicles. You know, just as the first buds kind of come already when it's still winter. Yeah. Yeah, it's just the same thing in our body. So the cycle all the time overlaps and it starts again mm-hmm. from, from death comes new life.
0: So all of this happens in the reproductive system. So we didn't actually define this, but you have the uterus, the fallopian tubes and the ovaries. Mm-hmm. But because like hormones are actually regulating these cycles, it's affecting the whole body, the whole mental health as well. Yes. So I like the fact that you're referring to season, you know, like the summer, spring, like these different feelings. Mm-hmm. Can you just like um, go deeply into that?
1: Well. Our two sex hormones, we have two sex hormones that are dominant in the female cycle. Before ovulation, we have estrogen that is produced as the follicles surrounding the eggs are growing in preparation for ovulation. After ovulation, we have another dominant sex hormone called progesterone that is produced in the what we call the corpus luteums, the old follicle that produ- uh, before produced estrogen get transformed at ovulation and instead produce quite a lot of estrogen, but mainly progesterone, loads and loads of progesterone. These two hormones, they impact over 150 different body functions. Everything from immune system regulation to blood sugar regulation to bone marrow metabolism and more and more and more and more thyroid health, a lot of things. And also our mood, our neurochemicals. Actually, estrogen stimulates serotonin. You know, serotonin is this happy-go-lucky kind of neurochemical. Yeah, it's like what makes us want to go out and party and dance. And actually, a lot of drugs stimulate serotonin. So it's, it's this very kind of happy-go-lucky kind of neurochemical. While progesterone stimulates dopamine. And you know, dopamine, that's the kind of hormone that, or, or not hormone, neurochemical, the feel-good neurochemical, the feel-good and reward Neurochemical. That's the neurochemical that can place a role in addiction, you know, because when we do something like eat sugar or drink a coffee or drink alcohol, it gives this sense of reward that we are doing something good to ourselves that makes us feel good. Well, there's a lot of things that can create that. Dopamine kind of gets a bad reputation because of its connection to addiction, but it's actually a super important neurochemical that plays a super important part in our mental health. And without it, we are not very healthy mentally. It's just that we we need to get stimulation from the right kind of things, you know, to program our brain to react with dopamine to the right things. Progesterone is one of those things that where we naturally get dopamine when progesterone is in balance. You know, a lot of women feel really bad in the premenstrual period, uh, get symptoms of PMS, right? Like anxiety or depression. And that's usually due to a dysregulation of these two neurochemicals, when they are out of balance, which happens mainly when we have low hormones in the luteal phase, especially low progesterone, we can get mood difficulties and we can become nervous and anxious.
0: Mm. But Is there um, a fine border between having PMS and just being in that season? Because personally, when it's time for um, autumn... When the, yeah. you know, the days are go- getting shorter and shorter, mm-hmm. the trees are losing their leaves and stuff. For a lot of people, it's like a poetic moment. But for me, it starts already, already to be like super nostalgic. I'm like, oh my God, I'm not going to be able to swim in the sea anymore. What about the barbecue weekends and so <laughs> on? <laughs> yes. So, so you know how you described that this was also the inner season that you could link the Mm. menstrual cycle is that also a feeling that is sort of normal to have to a certain
1: extent to a certain extent like i usually say that if you have symptoms that really create discomfort you know if you have symptoms that really makes life difficult in one way or another or makes your relationship difficult or make work difficult you know is often a sign of an imbalance but we also need to add just like you say that we are naturally functioning in another way when we are rich of estrogen we are kind of fueled it's kind of like a natural high around ovulation really we can kind of go 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 and we can go out and party and we have like we're super social and super radiant and we don't have that when we have ovulated you know and I can I can feel that kind of melancholy sometimes when ovulation is over not that I'm feeling anxious or sad or like depressed just like oh is it a whole month before I can feel that radiant again you know (laughs) not that I'm feeling bad right now not being radiant but is is it is one state of mind that is exchanged by another state of mind. that is more mellow, you know? Hmm. Uh, so that's one aspect of it. And then it's also that progesterone does make us more sensitive. So we are more prone to having emotions. We are more prone to crying when we watch a movie. Progesterone is the hormone that prepares the body for a possible pregnancy and keeps a pregnancy in place if we get pregnant. And in my way of viewing it, It's not only the body that it prepares, it kind of prepares our whole environment. So if we have relationship difficulties, if we have things in our relationship that is not optimal, if we have things in our life overall that is not optimal, we are more prone to feeling that when we are premenstrual. But then again, it's a fine line. You can say that progesterone is a stabilizer. We are both more sensitive in the luteal phase, but we also, as long as we have enough progesterone it kind of helps us to not be just a little leaf in the wind. Hormones give us kind of emotional resilience. So yes, we do feel the winds blowing more in the luteal phase, but if we have enough progesterone, it will not kind of just blow us away. We will still be able to stand there centered and rooted and kind of, yes, feeling the emotions, but still being able to deal with them in a healthy way that doesn't create harm for ourselves or our loved ones in any way. We might be more sensitive and that's normal and okay. And we live in a society that doesn't really honor that. And that's a problem. But we should still feel like that we have a sense of stability in our sensitivity, that we can stand grounded and rooted and in our bodies and able to deal with things.
0: I would like to point out the importance of your mindset with Symptothermal method with charting what's happening in your life, uh, your temperature, looking at uh, other body signs, you can actually see that when you are super stressed, and stress is not always negative, like you can be on a trip, on a road trip for three weeks, or maybe preparing some exams, or I don't know what, it's also affecting your body because it might not be ready then to welcome a baby, like, oh guys, let's wait a little bit. I don't think she's ready for that, you know, sort of thing. Mm-hmm, exactly. And that's what is really beautiful with the, the symptothermal method is that you can actually tune in and really understand to what sort of event you, you react.
1: Yes, exactly. And there to come back with the, to the progesterone, I, I often say that progesterone, yes, it prepares the body for a pregnancy. It keeps a pregnancy in place, but it also has this kind of protection mechanism just as you say that if the body sense that we are under a lot of stress whether it's positive or negative or physiological like nutri- nutritional imbalance is also stress you know it's also one kind of stress anything that stress the body the progesterone will also kind of make it less likely to become pregnant when we are under stress so it's kind of safeguarding us from from becoming pregnant in a in a situation that is not optimal which leads then to low progesterone which often leads to more pms right Mm -hmm. so stress is definitely a huge factor the symptoms we see like pms and and disturbances in the menstrual cycle those are also symptoms that are affecting our fertility that is why it's so important to just not disregard those things and think like no but i can just go on the pill and kind of cover up for these things and once I'm ready to have a child, I can deal with that then. But it's actually really important to, to pay attention to what our body is signaling through the menstrual cycle. Because if we do have a lot of imbalances in our menstrual cycle, that would likely also infect our fertility. And it's better to deal with it now <laughs> and not wait for the day when we potentially want to get pregnant.
0: This kind of disturbance that you mentioned, I think it's okay. Like it's okay if for one or or two cycles, like something happened and you had a shorter or a longer cycle or you had bad PMS and that's okay. The thing is that you know why and Mm, once you know that this was the reason and now these factors are gone, Mm. you can go back to, to like your normal ish
1: (laughs) yes absolutely like we are only human and that's like i've i've been tracking my menstrual cycle for 10 years now and i've had like periods of really irregular cycles and uh, menstrual pain and pms and god knows what you know and But the more I've learned about my cycle, I, as you say, always know why it happens. So I can track back in in my month, you know, or I can even know, you know, by ovulation, I can know like, okay, I'm probably going to have a shitty premenstrual period this time because I was so stressed when I was ovulating. So my ovaries were not able to mature that follicle in the right way. And then it will not be able to produce enough progesterone and and very often, I'm right, you know, mm. and that's a lot of empowerment. That's the kind of empowerment we can get through getting to know our cycle.
0: Yeah, I mentioned this in some previous episodes because we did one about uh, cervical mucus and what about the symptothermal method. Mm-hmm. But you know, the fact that for dancers or athletes, we we tend, like I, I will talk for myself and my surroundings, uh, so we tend to think. About So either you're a woman that is in tune with her cycle and you have time to do that and you're not exercising so much and you're really taking care of of yourself and we imagine this as like curvy woman and so on, like super peaceful, maybe doing yoga or something like this. (laughs) But then if you are like a karate champion or a dancer or um, like a professional soccer player... Then you have no time, you know, to focus on this and like, listen to yourself because you have to train the same way every day with that pretty tough physical routine, you know?
1: First, we need to ask ourselves, is it the most effective way for me, for my achievements in my profession, you know, in my sport or dance or whatever it is, to train constantly in the same way? I think it was the American football team that won the World Cup. I'm not a sports person, definitely not a football person, (laughs) but since I'm in the menstrual cycle scene, I saw articles about this going around. They believe that one of the reasons they had won was that they had been cycle syncing the whole team's exercise. Wow. So they had been training in accordance to the women's menstrual cycle because our... Ability for different kinds of exercise, our ability for our muscles to heal, for our muscles to gain strength. Again, I'm not an exercise expert, so I, I don't know all the right words for that, but all of that is cyclically regulated. So if we do cycle sync our exercise, uh, there is a lot of uh, exercise experts that have noticed that we get better results. So, uh, female athletes ma- may have just everything to win on paying attention to where they're at in their cycle and letting their exercise schedule be cyclical. Yeah. Mm. So, that was the first thing I That's wanted to say. That's super interesting. Unfortunately, yeah.
0: I don't know if everybody is like can do that, but it's super great to know and to put out for
1: institutions,
0: you know? Yes,
1: (laughs) and I know that Nike is having this big campaign right now about cycle syncing exercise. It is an idea that is spreading in the sports world. And I think more and more trainers will be kind of picking up on that because they see that women who do this get better results in their competitions and everything, you know? Mm, So yeah, something is happening there. I've been working with a few athletes, and and in some cases, we can see a very clear line between really disabling menstrual cycle problems and her athleticism, you know? And then we need to ask ourselves the question, you know, if we we are doing holistical menstrual cycle work and we see that, okay, my body seems to react to my exercise with menstrual cycle problems we need to ask ourselves the question, like, is this what I should be doing, basically? Mm-hmm. Uh, is this kind of athleticism that, that I am involved in, like, is it worth it for me? And, and sometimes the answer is yes, and then it's great, you know, then it is worth it. Uh, then it's such a big passion that, that you're willing to kind of uh, live with that, you know, menstrual cycle problems. But if not, you know, like we, we, we need to understand that so much, and this is provocative, this is a really provocative thing uh, to speak about that. So much of this society, especially our relationship to the body, is modeled after the male body. Right, uh, especially athleticism, you know, especially sports. Mm. Uh, there is a reason to why, like most, most like top athletes, like top top female runners, don't have a menstrual cycle. We were knowing that for ages, you know, for ages and ages and ages that that a lot of top athlete women lose their menstrual cycles and I'm not saying that anything is wrong with that you know like if you love what you do if you feel like this is what I'm here on earth to do like then go and run you know do it you know Mm -hmm. but we also need to ask ourselves that question like for who am I doing this am I doing this for me or am I doing this for my trainers my parents to prove something to the world and prove that I can do it you know Mm-hmm. Uh, and that can also be like proving that we can do it can be a thing that is worth, worth it, you know, like it can be a really exciting and nice feeling. But to have that conversation with ourselves, like what relationship to my body do I want to have? And I do see also non-athlete women who see that when they run more, when they're out running more, they, they get a more irregular menstrual cycle. You now, that's a very well-known thing around like among holistic health practitioners that so that can happen. What are you telling the body if you're just running all the time?
0: Ah, That's a really cool question. I never thought about that yes
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> who's chasing what is that bear chasing you for so many exactly. hours <laughs> yes like not a good time to get pregnant like oh yeah. my god this poor woman is living in a in a like a nightmare you know oh my god i'm I, you know what i'm so surprised this never crossed my mind you bring this up it's so yeah. it's so true and then it's like dancing is actually one of the things that i suggest because the body kind of has its own self-regulation more in dancing In dancing, you naturally feel into the body. That's what dancing is all about, right? Especially Mm -hmm. if you're like an improvisational dancer. But then I guess it's like what kind of dance you do. Do you do classical ballet? Well, that is kind of like, that can be quite rough, you know, and and more like about perfecting. Well, if you speak about something that is like jazz dancer or improvisational dancer, then it's much more about being in the body and moving with the body. And then it comes naturally that you don't overstrain in the same way because are really in tune with the body mm. yeah true. then again not saying that one that is better or worse or that like ballet is beautiful and amazing yeah, yeah. but we need to check into ourselves constantly like yeah. mm, exactly where are my boundaries
0: mm. sure mm. to finish with would you like to add anything special
1: no i just think it's just what i always um speak a lot about that as i mentioned before to Look around us, and I propose, and a lot of other people with me propose that this uh, society we live in is built on a very masculine, non-cyclical, linear standard. Uh, I make that proposition, and I invite you to look around yourself and uh, feel in. uh, Do I think that's true? And if it is true, to ask yourself, what is that doing to our society? how is that affecting us how is that affecting our nature what would happen to us and to nature if we allowed things to be more cyclical if we allowed times for rest and recuperation both for us and for nature and uh, personally i believe we would have had a whole different kind of world and a much healthier world and That we, with the female bodies, actually have the possibility there to be pioneers in uh, reintroducing this more cyclical way of thinking that actually a lot of indigenous tribes have had and still are having in a very different ways, which also lays a groundwork for a much healthier relationship to ourselves and the earth. And yeah, we can, through getting to know our menstrual cycle, we can be pioneers in that return. Where can we find you? You can find me on Instagram at ourfertility and on my website that is ourfertility.no. No, it's for Norway because that's where I'm situated. So, ourfertility.no.
0: Amazing. Thank
1: you. Thank you for letting me come.
0: Thank you guys for listening to this episode until the end. Make sure you recommend the podcast to a friend if you're a fan and hit five stars on Apple Podcasts. See you next week.